Welcome to CUCC's Sermons for Everyone. No matter who you are or where you find yourself on life's journey, we're glad you've tuned in, and we hope you find meaning in this week's sermon. So today is the third Sunday of Advent, and we're talking about choosing joy in uncertain and unlikely times. And so let's start at least by having some fun and looking into some unlikely occurrences. We'll start with the Winter Olympics. And anyone else caught off guard that they're beginning in like two months? Right? Crazy. So let's begin by considering the likelihood of winning an Olympic medal. All right, I promise I'm going to bring this back at some point. Trust me. Maybe. <laughs> so at the 2018 uh, Winter Olympic Games in South Korea, there were eight, 400, I'm getting numbers backwards this morning. Math is not my strong suit. There were 487 medals awarded and 2,952 athletes. So all things created equal, an Olympic athlete has a 17% chance of winning an Olympic medal, which really isn't that bad. We all know that athletes are not all created equal. And so 43% of those medals went to just 92 athletes or teams leaving the remaining 2,860 athletes a less than 1% chance of bringing a medal home. That's slim pickings. And for you and I, even in our peak years of fitness, we had less than one in 500,000 chance of even becoming an Olympian. All right, so good luck, good luck chasing gold. How about something with better odds? Okay, we're gonna just keep going. How about something with better odds, like being struck by lightning? Well, the US Weather Service places a person's odd of being struck by lightning in a given year at one in 1.2 million. That probability climbs significantly when thinking about the odds of getting struck by lightning over the course of your entire life which is shockingly one in 15,000. I know, be safe out there. Do you know what's significantly more safe than I guess being outside? It's flying in an airplane. Your chance of being killed in an airplane crash are only one in 11 million. There were only 40 commercial airplane accidents in 2020 and only five of them were fatal, killing a total of 299 people. So friends, you can take a deep breath next time you board an airplane. I've got more, don't worry. How about the chance of finding a four-leaf clover? So according to John Frett, a professor of plant and soil science at the University of Delaware, one out of every 10,000 clovers develops a fourth leaf, which makes your chance of stumbling across one pretty slim, but not impossible. 
the Guinness World Record for the most four-leaf clovers collected in a one-hour period is held by Gabriella Garrett of Fitchburg, Wisconsin, who on September 21st, 2019, gathered 451 four-leaf clovers in an hour. That's one every seven and a half seconds. It's crazy. The crazier thing is I get paid to look into all of this random stuff, and so thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> all right, to finish off our meandering this morning through ratios and statistics, we once again turn to the Roman Empire at the time of Jesus, because you see in today's reading, Mary receives some, some good news of great joy or is it highly unlikely news of great uncertainty? Let's just read it. Uh, Luke chapter one. Oh, now I need to look in the bulletin. Is it chapter one or chapter three? It's chapter one. Thanks, Carol. Luke chapter one, starting in verse 26. When Elizabeth, Mary's cousin, was six months pregnant, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a city in Galilee, to a virgin who was engaged to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David's house. The virgin's name was Mary. When the angel of the Lord came to her, he said, Rejoice, favored one, the Lord is with you. And I love this next line. The angel says, Rejoice, favored one, the Lord is with you. And then we read, she was confused by these words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. No kidding. The angel continues and says, don't be afraid, Mary. God's honoring you. Look, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus and he will be great. He will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of David, his father. He will rule over Jacob's house forever, and there will be no end to his kingdom. Then Mary said to the angel, how will this happen since I haven't been with a man? Legit question. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come over you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the one who will be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. Look, even in her old age, your relative Elizabeth has conceived a son. This woman who is labeled unable to conceive is now six months pregnant. Nothing is impossible for God. Then Mary said, I am the Lord's servant. Let it be with me, just as, you, just as you have said. Then the angel left her. The word of God for the people of God this morning. Thanks be to God. Now that is some unexpected and unlikely news of great uncertainty. Can you imagine the mix of emotions you might be feeling? Baby, good. Telling Joseph, not so good. Being favored by God, good. Being disowned by dad, not so good. 
And we often dwell on kind of those emotions, but let's put those aside for a second and circle back to the statistics again, right? Forget all of the uncertainty surrounding the social ramifications of her being unwed. Get this, at the time, having a baby was the leading cause of death for women. And being a baby was the leading cause of death, period. At the time, and for much of the world prior to the 20th century, infant mortality rates in the Roman Empire were estimated to be 30%. One in three. And the maternal mortality rates as high as 5%. One in 20 live births. 30% of their children didn't make it to their first birthday. And with the large number of pregnancies, it's estimated that as many as 30% of women would eventually die in childbirth. That, my friends, is crazy. Can you imagine, again, the mixed feelings that would come over you every time you became pregnant if those were the chances that you would survive with a baby in your arms. And, and yet you, Angel Gabriel, want me to rejoice? Right? All of that uncertainty around how people are going to receive me, if Joseph's even going to stick it out with me, and if I and my baby are going to survive this whole ordeal, you want me to rejoice? Right? Cool it. I'll, I'll get back to you on that one. And yet Mary says, I'm the Lord's servant. Let it be with me just as you have said. My goodness. Rejoice, huh? Choose joy, huh? Sometimes that's that's easier said than done. Right? We all know that choosing joy is not always easy. It's, It's not even easy with the little things, let alone the big things. Right, like when you lose your job or get demoted at the worst possible time, when you get sick and a month later you're still not feeling any better and the doctors can't figure out at all why you're feeling the way you're feeling. Sometimes just when things feel like they're changing so quickly, so quickly that you're struggling to keep up, struggling to adjust with everything that's happening around you. Rejoice, huh? Choose joy, huh? We all know that that choosing joy, especially amidst uncertain times, is not easy. But we also know that just because it's hard, it doesn't free us from the responsibility of doing it. As I've said before, just because nasty things happen to us doesn't, doesn't mean we need to become nasty. And here's the thing, and it's something I'm learning and something I've said before. You don't just wake up one day a grouchy old man or a bitter old woman. You got to give yourself credit. You've been practicing. <laughs> right? Venn session after Venn session, gossip session after gossip session. 
Judgmental scowl after judgmental scowl. You've been preparing your whole life to reach those levels of grumpiness. (laughs) And in the same way, you don't just wake up one day being a person of joy. You didn't win some genetic lottery despite what people might think. You weren't just born that way. Give yourself some credit. You've been practicing. You've been preparing your whole life and now everyone around you gets to reap from the benefits of all of that hard work because joy is contagious. Right, we all know it's true. There are people we just look forward to being around. There are people who make us smile just thinking about them. Right? There are people whose mere presence in the room lifts the spirits and lets everyone know that it's going to be okay. Right? That things are going to go well because she's here, because he's here. And they didn't just wake up that way, like anything. Greeting the world, greeting people with joy, especially during uncertain times. It takes work, it takes discipline, it takes practice. It's a lifelong project to to trim away the the gut reactions, the, the negative looks. It's a lifelong project to smooth out the rough parts. I'd like to say that I'm one of those people, a highly joy-filled person, but truth be told, I've got a lot of practicing to do. I do know that, I do think that I'm better at choosing joy than when I was in high school. I think I'm better at choosing joy than when I showed up here five years ago. Shoot, I think I'm better at choosing joy than I was 18 months ago when I preached an eight-week series on choosing joy while stuck at home. I've been practicing, but I've got a long way to go. And so instead of rambling on, I thought I'd invite someone else to talk with us. Someone who's clearly been practicing joy for a while. I don't want to say too much so as not to embarrass her, but Debbie Graham exudes a level of joy that's mind-boggling for me. Yeah. It's like she's so filled with joy that joy itself has run out of space and just kind of falls out. And so I invited Debbie to join me for a bit, just to be herself and to maybe tell us a bit about how she finds joy, chooses joy, practices joy, and what kind of difference it makes. So Debbie, you want to come join us? Good morning, everybody. I have a favorite story that my father used to tell me, and maybe some of you have heard it before, but I find it inspiring every time I hear it. This is a story of two little boys trapped in a room full of horse manure. One little boy is very upset. It's awful. He can hardly stand it. The other one is so excited. He's jumping up and down and, and beside himself. And how can you be so happy, the mad one says. We're stuck in this room. It smells. It's awful. 
And the other little boy says, with all this manure in here, there has to be a pony somewhere. <laughs> that is a kid with a joyful outlook on life. This last year, we have all experienced, has been full of uncertainty, as Josh has mentioned. And I'm sure many of us have had trouble finding joy in life. And we have to work a little harder at it. I've learned that I need to keep doing the things that bring me joy so I don't forget. Time with friends, being outside, taking walks, enjoying nature, baking cookies, cleaning my garage for entertaining, which I'm sure a lot of us did last year, spending time with Ken and doing things that we like, time with our grandkids and our children. We did all these things within the pandemic rules, and I felt better. I felt joy. So I decided to keep practicing, to find ways to be joyful in the midst of hard times. Even when I did not feel like baking cookies, which doesn't happen very often, but I made myself do it. And when I was done, I was glad that I did. And Ken was glad too. I discovered <laughs> that doing routine things that give me joy helped me move forward. Doing the small things that, that bring us joy helped a lot this year, after this year and a half. It was like saving up extra joy for when we needed it to keep going. If you are a person of joy, you do things without thinking about it too much. You practice joy, and it gets easier as you do it, which is good because sometimes life can be really hard. Sometimes life tries to steal your joy. My father struggled with alcoholism when Ken and I had a young family. It was always hanging over us and a hard thing to live with. Things came to a head over my daughter Jenny's fourth birthday weekend. Ken and I were struggling with my dad's situation. There were overwhelming and conflicting feelings of sadness and despair all the while trying to hold up my mom and to go on as normal as possible, especially for our four-year-old daughter who was excited for her birthday. It was a snowy weekend, and thankfully, Bob and Ann and Jeff and Mindy were able to make it down to our house together, and we were able to make it still feel like a celebration for my daughter amidst the turmoil swirling around my parents. Somehow, amidst all of that, we were able to create a space for joy, and we were able to experience the joy of a four-year-old, which we so needed. So as the ordeal went on and emotions were dark, I somehow found myself willing to accept and forgive, not understanding why, but just trying to move forward, even though there seemed no way out at times. Ken and I pressed on to do what was needed with the hope of getting Dad to a better place, which ultimately happened after a long, long time. The struggle was long and hard, but over and over, we chose to try to find joy or goodness and love in those hard times. It takes work. It takes practice. But when you finally get to the other side, it is relief and pure joy. As Caroline beautifully reminded us last week with her song, the sun does come out, but sometimes we have to be happy with partly cloudy until it shines through. When you choose to practice joy, it infects others and attracts them into your world, and good things happen. 
We all know people who light up a room, as Josh mentioned, and we are drawn to them. Our faith asks us to practice joy. Trust in God, ask for strength, and somehow joy will follow. Thank you. Thank you, Debbie. What do you say? In the face of uncertain times, in the face of statistics and odds that may or may not forever be in your favor, in the face of daily circumstances that would, would steal your joy if they could, might we all fight back? push back a little, practice choosing joy every day. And might we lean into the spirit, lean into our spiritual community, so that together we might find hope, peace, joy together. Amen.